welcome to the first ever episode of Game Time Decision, or GTD. Um, I'm Keegan Miller. I'm Micah Farmer. And this has been a long long time in the works, really excited. First episode, um, we kind of we kind of found a sweet spot to launch right after the Super Bowl. I mean, we just we just watched it downstairs. Yeah. And um, right before the Daytona 500, so we can get into NASCAR coverage. And then, of course, spring training's rolling around. So I'll have MLB and F1, uh, obviously. So, really excited to launch. Uh, we're in our, our little studio. Uh, yes. We don't have a name for it yet. Um, we'll, we'll think of something, come up with it's a cool name to call our studio. We got some stuff. We can always add more take down stuff. Yeah. We got our desk, obviously. But, uh, yeah, super excited. What's the, uh, you got anything? Uh, like you said, super excited to get this going. And as you say, the decorating is fluid, as is the name. As you see, I might have brought too many things from my side of the desk, but we'll even it out as we go. We'll see what we're going to do with it and hopefully find a name better than better than the studio for this room. So yeah, let's the, get it. The studio, the studio. Homemade. Yes. It's got a homemade feel. We, we built everything in here. So that's, that's impressive, I guess. Um, all right. Well, we, like I built the desk. Yeah, well, I mean, we built, I even built this, this uh, brick built Jordan hair. You know, so. Lego skills are on point. Yeah, we not Lego. It's it's not it's okay. Not Lego. It's small all brick skills. Yeah, small. Yeah, with big fingers. Like me on a basketball court, a lot of bricks. <laughs> yeah, me too. Not basketball is not my forte. Um, well, Super Bowl just happened. Yes. Uh, Chiefs won it in overtime. Uh, a thrilling fourth quarter in overtime. Not yeah. so much a thrilling. A game that first wasn't half. looking good for a lot of it, and then just really turned it on once we got to about the middle of the third quarter. I am a Chargers fan, so this was the worst case scenario, but I don't know about you, but it kind of felt inevitable that as soon as we got into that fourth quarter and the Chiefs got the ball towards the end of the game, it just felt, oh, this the Chiefs are winning this game. I mean, ironically, I think the best representation of the whole game was the halftime show, Usher's halftime show. The beginning, I was kind of like, uh, what's going on? Is this going to get better? And then Alicia Keys came in and was playing piano. Yeah. And that, that was kind of, okay, all right, I can get it with it. And then it was kind of, ooh. And then, like the fourth quarter in overtime, it got exciting. You know, he was on roller skates. Yes. He was playing the hits. The he roller had, skates really did it. And he had yes. Ludacris come in. I was like, all right, all right, this is the. He so the end. The end was kind of kind of exciting, just like the halftime show, just like the game, which is kind of cool. But uh, yeah, so just analysis on the game, what we got. So. I think this game really it just goes to show that as much as you might hate him, and for me, it's annoying to play in the same division as him. But you really cannot bet against Patrick Mahomes in these big games just continues to play at a high level when the pressure's on late in the game. All game maybe wasn't his best first half he's ever played, but comes back and the scrambling ability late in the game to really catch the 49ers out. That defense played so well. And then that extra wrinkle at the end of the game with Mahomes' legs really killed the Niners at the end. Yeah, I mean, that scrambling, I mean, I mean he won MVP probably for the scrambling. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously he made some throws here and there, and he got the balls to his guys that he needed to, but... The scrambling at the end, I mean, it was almost every play, especially that play where he had Travis Kelsey swing out with him, yeah. and he could dump it to Kelsey, but then uh, the 49ers attack Kelsey, so he's like, I'll just take the ball myself. I mean, that really, that was, that, that was a game-changing moment. That's excellent play design, too, because making oh, yeah. the defenders choose between, okay, do we want to let Kelsey go and stop the run of Mahomes, or do we want to crash down on Mahomes and leave Kelsey wide open? It's just a no-win situation, and you saw with the results of the play. Right, and but you you kept thinking someone else was going should should have won MVP. Maybe not. Listen, was win Trent MVP. McDuffie. I was I was on the Trent McDuffie for Super Bowl MVP train. Even though it was never going to happen because he plays defense, he would have needed a couple pick sixes or something. But he had the 49ers receivers on lock that entire game. Did have one bad defensive holding penalty on Jawan Jennings late in the game, but ended up not coming back to bite him. 
I think overall great game for McDuffie. I think he deserves a lot of credit for it. I mean, Jawan Jennings with the game. Throw, yeah. Passing touchdown. I mean. Receiving touchdown as well. I yeah. Both. Yeah, but the passing touchdown was nuts. That was, that was another good play design, another Shanahan play that yeah. he drew up and was probably excited about. How about Corndog? Andy Reid's <laughs> Of course, Reed's it had to be a food. It yeah. had to be a food. It was Corndog is what they named uh, the play at the end for the touchdown that won the game. Yes. Obviously. But Corndog, it's such an Andy Reid play. It is. I can't wait to see what French fry looks like next year. I'm French, excited. French with the nuggies, the little nuggies? Yeah, little nuggies. <laughs> little nuggies. Um, yeah, so... Commercials. Super Bowl is a big, big thing for commercials. What was your number one favorite commercial? It, it's got to go to the Paramount Plus one with Sir Patrick Stewart throwing the kid up there, them threatening to skin Peppa Pig alive to make oh. a football. There was just, it was all over the place. And personally, for me, I enjoyed the joke about Tua not wanting to throw slash not being able to throw up there. I think that was kind of a, a funny dig at Tua, although I'm not sure if that's how it was intended. But They even had the Reno 911 new boot goofing yes. guy with the boots on and everything. That was a pretty cool callback. But, yeah, Sir Patrick Stewart's amazing yeah. anything he's in. Um, I think my favorite commercial, maybe not the funniest, but – I mean, this one also somewhat involves Sir Patrick Stewart. The Deadpool 3 trailer yes. dropped at the beginning of the game. That's, I'm excited for that. So Wolverine, X-Men, Sir Patrick Stewart, Professor X, Deadpool. Deadpool's are always funny, so that, that'll be fun. That'll be a good one. But, um, yeah, what was your thoughts on the halftime show, though, with the Usher and all that? Well, like you said, it got off to, frankly, a bad start. I was not a fan of the first half of it at all. It felt like it was 90% dancing and Usher doing some bad lip syncing out there. And then you bring out Alicia Keys. The first note of that was shaky, but then she really got into it. And then those two together worked really well. Although if I was Alicia Keys' husband, I would maybe have some questions for oh, Usher yeah, after yeah, some yeah. of those moves. That was, but, that was, yeah. I don't, I don't know if she's married or not, but that if she is, that was a little... Yeah, it was awkward. Yeah, and then we got to Ludacris and the roller skates, and things just took off from yeah. there. That fro, Ludacris, yeah, that was, was insane. Good. Yeah. Um. All right, let's swing into NASCAR mode. So yes. we have the Daytona 500, America's greatest race coming up. I mean, this I'm I'm more excited for this Daytona 500 than I have been for one in a while. And I I think a lot of people are like this, and you can thank that to the Netflix special. Yes. The Netflix stock hopefully does a lot like what it did with F1 Drive to Survive. And it, it gets a lot of people excited for the next NASCAR race because the fans, the casual fans, or fans who weren't NASCAR fans at all who watched this probably just looked up, oh, when's the next NASCAR race? Well, it happens to be the Daytona 500, which Biggest is perfect year, yeah. because it's a super speedway racing, which is great for – if you're a new fan and you're trying to get into NASCAR, your first race should be a super speedway. Yes. I, I think. I mean, those are just crazy. I used to say short tracks, but the short track package recently has really just knocked them. So I right. completely agree. You want to send them to a super speedway first. Then the flair around the Daytona 500 is some of the best in NASCAR. And I think it's going to be an especially interesting race this year with the two new bodies you have coming in with the Dark Horse and then that new Camry. How are those going to be able to push on right. a super yep. speedway? It's going to be really interesting. That Camry looks really angled at the front point of it but also kind of flat so we'll have to see if that flat surface can work for them or if it's going to be kind of like they always have with that point on them that just really makes them not good pushers at super speedways and then that dark horse just looks quite as a pancake on the front it looks like it might be pretty good for pushing right i mean it's going to come down to can can the manufacturers get situated and get in lines like we saw this started happening four years ago at this point. Yeah. You'd, have, you'd have Chevys in a line, Toyotas in a line, Fords in a line. Now, Toyotas are outnumbered by a little bit, but if I mean they've proven time and time again if, that, if they can get everybody they have in a line and just go, I mean, they may be able to find a groove. So I think the winner of the race is going to come down to which manufacturer 
has the best call for when to come to pit road and just the for lines sure. that they have and if they can stay together. Because we saw last year Fords are getting mixed in with Chevys, and then you had Toyotas come through and vice versa. So Especially for Toyota. Because if the Toyotas get separated with them already being down on numbers, if they get separated, I don't really think there's anything they can do to recover unless they get a caution. So it's going to be really big for them, especially that pit strategy. But overall, just who gets it right? Right. No, I agree. And The Rock is the Grand Marshal, which is huge because yes. his big name brings in some fans. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, camaraderie around it. It's, I mean, it sold out two, three months ago, Yeah, which is amazing. Some gear. of the earliest we've seen in a while for yeah. a NASCAR race. So I, I, I hope, I, I do think that the Netflix um, show will bring a lot more fans, whether they'll stick around or not. I hope so. Uh, NASCAR needs fans. It wants fans. I want it to have fans. But I hope that I think that Netflix show is gonna gonna do a good job, and they they did a good job on the Netflix show. They did, yeah, yeah. I like I liked going into uh, Denny Hamlin's house and going into Bubba Wallace's um, everything he thought about, and even Bubba Wallace's crew chief's house, you know. So yeah, I feel like a lot of fans have had the complaint recently that oh well NASCAR needs more personalities. It feels like all the drivers just kind of blank cold slate sometimes you don't really get to see that personality i think that's something this netflix series is really going to help with like you said how it did with formula one really showing you more than just who you see at the track see the actual personality more so behind the drivers they follow them just through their life in general right and i mean that may be some booty barker uh merch at tracks now yeah he's got his own kind of fan base now so. i don't know how much you've seen of drive to survive but gunter steiner was the big star in that as the haas team principal right and now i think you're going to see a similar thing with booty barker yeah i mean his, him alone probably series. probably attracted a bunch of fans just to bubble walls just to, so they can listen and watch him crew chief and i mean bubble walls did a good job of attracting fans to himself in that show i mean william byron i think I, the biggest surge of fans is probably gonna be denny hamlin just because we saw a lot of Dean Hammond or William yeah. Byron. Because William Byron, we saw a lot about him. He was likable. We saw him building Legos. We saw him and his girlfriend. He's also Ryan Blaney's sister, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. But we saw a lot of a lot of William Byron's pre preparation and his relaxing time, which is important for a race car driver, and just what he does and what goes into racing, how young he was, and how he had an unconventional start. He started yeah. a little older. He started racing simulators, you know, which is unheard of. Gives me hope time. to become a NASCAR driver. Still. This is all hope, which is maybe <laughs> maybe not good because some of those no. are racing drivers. Ooh. Yeah, but yeah. So Denny Hamlin on this, I think fans are torn with Denny Hamlin. New fans are probably like, okay, this guy's pretty cool. I think he's going to be a really polarizing type guy. Like you maybe you see with a guy like Kyle Busch, who maybe mm -hmm. has mellowed out a little bit with. Hamlin definitely has a lot of haters, people that don't like Denny Hamlin whatsoever. And now, as you say, that window into his life might bring a lot of new Denny Hamlin fans in. So I think he might become one of the more polarizing drivers in NASCAR, mm -hmm. even though he kind of was already. I think you're going to see it even more with him this year. Oh, I mean, it brought new fans in. But the fans that also were on the fence about him or didn't like him that have been around NASCAR, it might have driven them to the picket line. I mean, they're probably like, ooh, I don't want to see Denny Hamlin succeed this year. Yeah. Especially after he threw out the... Um, his famous line again at the clash. Yeah, I beat your favorite driver, and I think that one crashed and burned Denny. I don't. Yeah, it was that, it was it was good the first it. time. The second time, I think you need to let it die. And you've probably I'm not the first person to say that. You've probably heard that all all the last two weeks. But well, we know Denny Hamlin's tuning into this right now. So Denny, tell yeah. us what you think about yeah, that. Yeah, Denny. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any Denny merch. If you want to send me that, I want your car tomorrow. Yeah, I'll put your car tomorrow right here. That's the car tomorrow Crocs as well. Get those in <laughs> yeah, here. the speed Crocs. We got to get some of those now. Yeah. Um, so, picks for the Daytona 500. I think it's going to be, obviously, a guy who's just knows how to hang around at super speedways, because that's really what you're doing. You're just kind of yeah. hanging around, 
waiting for the right moments, waiting for the right windows, but also being able to be mentally tough enough to be like, all right, I'm not where I want to be now, but things are going to happen. This is not going to stay the same. Whether there's 200 laps left or two laps left, things are going to change around and move. So where do I need to be when that time comes and when the time goes wrong, what do I need to do? So the ability to just to, to look up front of you and see, ooh, this is getting dicey. Do I need to bail? What do I need to do here? Maybe I can gain a spot here, but maybe I don't want to because I don't want to be in this position and hang around. And there's guys that are good at that. I mean, there's guys, Ricky Sinai Jr., who's great at yeah. that and not so great at road course racing. And there's guys that are great at road course racing and not so great at super speedboat racing. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see a Shane Van Gisbergen control the pack at Daytona. No, no. but um, I think I'm going to go with the reigning champ, Ryan Blaney. I think he wins it, gets two in a row, wins the championship. Oh, he didn't win. Oh, Rosh Chastain win, my bad. Yeah. But, uh, First gonna... time ever the champion hasn't won the last race since the Final Four format was introduced. Exactly. And Rosh Chastain did not care. He was like, I'm winning this race. Yeah. Credit to him for that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, his, his job is to win races, not to exactly. let somebody else win races just for a championship. I mean, he still got the championship. But, um, yeah, but I'm going to go with the reigning champion, Ryan Blaney, to win. He's always at Talladega. He's always right there. Daytona, he's always right there. Yeah. Seemed like when Ryan Newman was racing, it was always him and Ryan Newman for a little bit. So Battle I'm going to go. Ryan's. Right. So I'm going to go Ryan Blaney by less than half a second. Well, I completely agree with the fact that you're going to need someone who is experienced, who knows how to control a super speedway race. But I think it's going to be Brad Keselowski this year. I think that we kind of saw RFK on the come up last year. And even before their whole program was good, Ever since Kozlowski's moved into that team, their super speedway program has been really good. Those cars are fast consistently on the super mm -hmm. speedways. Sometimes they sacrifice a little bit in the handling department. I think they figure that out this year. I think Kozlowski is able to control a lot of this race. And for once, I think you're able to see a guy who controls the day 2500 for most of it actually end up winning it. So I think Kozlowski wins, and I also think it's going to be really close. Give me under half a second as well. Him and Bush are both hung around almost every yeah. super speedway race last year that I can remember. I mean, they were both there, and yeah, I mean, Brad K. He, he definitely he got into uh, RFK or what is now RFK because of him, and I mean, he he's changed it almost immediately. Yeah, and the it was culture of that team is flipped completely. Right, and he may be racing his convertible. You know, <laughs> that was, that might be my favorite piece of off-season content from the entire break was him driving that Kings Hawaiian convertible NASCAR at it. If you if you don't know what we're talking about, we'll put it on the screen. Right, Brad Keselowski turned one of his old cars into a convertible style SS pickup truck type thing. It was incredible, and he was really excited about it. And we were excited that he was excited, and I want to drive it. So yes, I know you're watching Brad Keselowski. Brad K, hook us up. Yeah. Let us borrow the convertible. Let us take it for a spin. Um, if NASCAR allows him to drive that, I don't know aerodynamically how it would perform. Oh, it's got to be at least a three-second lap advantage. Yeah, I mean it's super light. It's lightweight. So for sure. I mean, they should put two in to put an engine in the back and in the front. We'll just see what it goes. But exactly, um, eight-wheel drive. Yeah, uh, Brad, I can see Brad Keselowski running towards the front. That that's not out there um let's see hendrick we didn't pick a hendrick guy how do you think hendrick's gonna fare well i mean hendrick run? always qualifies well here but mm -hmm. i just don't i'm not sure about kyle larson's prowess as a speedway racer alex bowman always seems to qualify in the front row here and then just drop back or get caught up in a wreck william byron i think is probably their best shot i I don't know how I feel about Chase Elliott entering this season. I feel like Chase Elliott's stock is kind of down right now. I think you could see William Byron really be the second-in-command of Hendrick to Kyle Larson this season in terms of performance. So I think Byron's probably their best shot. But 
I just don't know if they real have, really have an elite super speedway driver on that team. So as fast as those cars are in qualifying, I just don't think they have what it takes to win the race. No, I, I mean, I'm with you. I think Ryan, uh, not Ryan, Blaney, I think um, uh, William Byron is their best opportunity. And I think the most interesting story, maybe in NASCAR this year, from a certain point of view, is Chase Elliott. You know, he got, he broke his leg last year, then he got suspended. He had the penalty at the beginning of the year, so he just, he couldn't point his way into the playoffs. Um, he needed a win, didn't get a win at all. First season, you know, for him since, you know, he's been winning. Yeah. This um, is a guy you saw the year he won the championship, the passing of the torch from Jimmy Johnson to him is the next big guy for Hendrick. And then as soon as Kyle Larson came into that team, it's been his team. It, he's been running the show there. And then last year, William Byron, his breakout season. So it's Elliott is very much in danger of becoming a third driver in a team that he was once viewed as the future leader of. So I'll be interested to see if he can really soak up that pressure and get back into his old form. I think I think he gets at least a win, if not two, maybe three. I, I do. He's going to win a road course this year. He is, yeah. He's going to win a road course. Um He's pro he always hangs around super speedways. I mean, he just seems to. I mean, Talladega. I mean, he just he seems to kind of know what he's doing in super speedways. Um, so we will see him at Daytona, see how that fares. But I think he gets one at least race win this year, possibly two or three, and, I, and he's in the playoffs this year for sure. Oh yeah. But you brought up a good point. It was Chase Elliott, then it was Kyle Larson, then it was William Byron. There's a fourth driver, Hendrick. There is. His name's Alex Bowman. I mean. Is, so does Hendrick kind of push a lot of their resources into Bowman the Showman and see see if why can... would you at this point if you have two drivers who have had great seasons last year and then a possible Chase Elliott resurgence if you can get him going again why would you shove resources out of those three successful cars into Bowman who might not be able to deliver on it I just because... I think that's a bit of a waste of resources because sure you you want to win that team championship but at the same time. You want a driver to win the driver's championship too, and I just don't think Bowman is that guy when you look at that stable of four. Hendrick likes to win, and he definitely wants that 48 car back in victory lane. I mean, he Hendrick likes to win, so I can see him just kind of being like, all right, we're going to give Alex Bowman a little bit more kind of equipment this year because I, I, know, I know my drivers that have proven to me that they're my drivers, which right now is Kyle Larson and William Byron. They can get it. They can get yes. after it. They can take some – so maybe faultier equipment and, and overcome that, especially Kyle Larson, one of the greatest race car drivers on the planet. Yeah. So maybe push some more to Alex Bowman, see if you can figure it out. Now, halfway through the season, he hasn't. Maybe you pull that and start feeding it back into your drivers. But see, the issue is, though, for me, if you do that and then you're pulling those resources away, what if, say, Penske is really good this year? What what if Trackhouse comes back a little bit? What if you have these other teams and you're suddenly behind Gibbs, Penske, Trackhouse, maybe even RFK because you've divvied up your resources so much? Because I think you can count on, like you said, um, Larson and Byron for sure. But if Elliott can't, can't bounce back immediately and then you're throwing all these resources into Bowman and he can't deliver, I think that puts you in a really bad spot come the middle of the year. And that would be a quick turnaround to have to make to make that change before the playoffs start. Is Bowman on the hot seat? Ooh. I I think it's possible, yeah. I, I do think it's possible. If he misses the playoffs or squeaks in the playoffs and it's a first-round exit, what do you do? Oh, I, I, think it, I think if he misses the playoffs, you give someone else a shot in that car, but I think if he squeaks his way in, you never know what can happen there. I think you, I think you would keep a seat if he makes the playoffs, but 
if he doesn't make the playoffs, man, I I think he might be in trouble. Yeah, there's some there's some other guys on the list too. Daniel Suarez. Yeah, uh, I've heard people talk about him. Him maybe be on that hot seat, especially with um, Shane coming in. Yeah. So, I don't know. This, this is gonna be an interesting season. Speaking of the hot seat, one guy that I don't think is necessarily on it yet, but who I am curious to see if he can up his performance from last year is Austin Cindric in that number two car because the other two Penske drivers just feel like they're on a completely different level than him. The Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano. It feels like Cindric is just lagging behind those two constantly. So I'll be curious to see if he can match his teammates this year because I feel like that's a driver that even though he's in that Penske car, I would not be surprised at all to see him miss the playoffs this season. Who does he remind you of? First race was the Daytona 500. You know who I'm talking about. Trevor Bay. Trevor Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where you're going with that? Yeah. Uh, you don't want to be the next Trevor Bay. No, you don't. No. Yeah, Daytona 500 champion, and then nothing after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But um, when you said when you said Austin Cindric, I thought you were going a different direction. I thought you were going to go Austin Dillon because Kyle Busch came in. You could say that too, man. He's been getting smacked by Kyle Busch. Yeah, he came into RCR last year and showed RCR, hey, you have winning cars. We can win with your cars. This guy hasn't been doing it. I'm going to come do it for you. Well, fortunately for Austin Dillon, he has the benefit of nepotism on his side. So I don't yeah. think is he he's the closest thing NASCAR has to Lance Stroll right now, and I, I think his seat is still safe. I don't think Richard Childress kicks his own grandson out of the team, but he might have a very rough year in the media if if he but keeps. If he performs as poorly as he did last year, I mean, he was bottom in the in the points. He'll always be better than Ty Dillon, at least. Yes. <laughs> well, he's got he's got way better equipment than Ty Dillon has. <laughs> so you put him in the you put him in go karts. We'll see what happens. Um, let's talk about the clash. Denny Hamlin just won the clash in LA. It was a day earlier because of rain. Uh, they made that decision a few hours before race time. I want to know if there were any fans that just completely missed the memo. Showed up on Sunday like, wait, where is everybody? Yeah, this is like the, the John Travolta meme. Yeah, but um. Hopefully not. Yeah, I mean that'd be terrible. Think, you know, in the day, the day and age of iPhones and everything, they probably they probably knew before everybody. They probably got a notification. Hey, your tickets today. Yeah. Show up or you know refund you whatever. But um, do you like the Clash in LA or do you think it needs to move back to Daytona or, or where should it go? It's interesting because I think people are kind of looking at the Daytona clashes with road covered or rose colored glasses a little bit at this point. The last clash of the Daytona road course was just horrific. The super speedway Daytona clashes were trending downward towards the end of them. I credit NASCAR for trying something different. I think LA has kind of its own unique charm, I guess you could say, with just the way to pass is you hit people, and that's how you pass, and there's no, I don't want to say real passing, but there's no clean overtakes happening at the Coliseum. You just ram the guy in front of you and go by. So I think that's kind of a fun flavor to a no-points race, but... I think if we get another year of it just feeling like the same, the entire race goes by, people slam into each other for a couple hundred laps, and then some guy breaks away in the last five and wins that's been up front the whole time, I I think it might be about time to move it. I mean, I love what they're doing, trying to put a race in L.A. and get fans in L.A. and California in general, especially after they took away a race in California. I mean, Auto Club's not there anymore. I love Auto Club, too. I mean, I feel like I... I don't know how popular that opinion is, but I I, I love the the big super speedway auto club. I I feel like high horsepower at auto club used to be one of my favorite races. That speed sign going into turn one, it would t- trigger two twelve. You'd see a car fly off into there, and mm-hmm. I feel like you just lost that, especially with the the lower horsepower cars, which is a whole nother conversation in itself. But 
I feel like you've lost the charm that those big two-mile ovals used to have, like a Fontana, like a Michigan. Those races just aren't the same anymore. So I get why they're trying to move towards a short track in L.A. I just I don't know if this is the right way to do it. I mean, the class may be in L.A. next year, but in 2026, I, I can't see in L.A. But maybe this is where they bring in a track like Rockingham. They brought back North Wilkesboro for the All Star race last year, which they, wasn't a good race well, either. So the short track package kind of that's alluded true. to that. Yeah. So if they can fix a short track package, maybe you go to North Wilkesboro for the class. But do we trust NASCAR to fix the package? I, I have hope. I think they're I think they're trying to do the right thing and they're listening to drivers more and they're going to make a, the best decision they can when it comes to short track. I mean, they tried it a little bit with the shifting over the um, with some tests over the off season, but I think. They are. I think this off season really they're gonna really dive into short track and try and fix it. So maybe you do go to North Wilkesboro because you want to put fans in seats. Oh, for sure. Have, yeah. a, have a great short track race at North Wilkesboro. Points or not, people will show up. To oh that. yeah, for I sure. Mean, that will be like heaven for NASCAR fans to have the class there on the North Wilkesboro. And then if they want to bring back Rockingham, maybe make the All Star race down the line or whatever. But that's that's way down the line, you know. Yeah. But only Dale Jr. can save checks like this. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what he has in mind. Uh, a lot of movement. Um, in the offseason as far as yes. cars and guys in different seats, different numbers, different companies. I mean, a lot of movement. So the big one, Kevin Harvick. Yes. He's gone. I'm going to miss Kevin Harvick. I, I am looking forward to him in the booth, though. I'm looking forward to booth Kevin Harvick, but I'm going to miss him out there on the track for sure. I had a love-hate relationship with Kevin Harvick. I remember really, really rooting for him that year he won the championship, being like, oh, because obviously Deion Hunter Jr. got eliminated, whatever. So I was like, I really want Kevin Harvick to win the championship. But now I'm a Chase Elliott fan, and they kind of had their, their beef, and they went back and forth. So I was kind of like, oh, I like Kevin Harvick, but I don't like what he did here. And I was always obviously blinded. I was like, oh, I don't like what he did here. I don't like what he did here. But that rivalry was good for the sport. It was really fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Kevin Harvick at Bristol, freaking out. And yeah. Then, and then the the Charlotte Roval, I will never forget the Roval. That Roval, was great. Where he spins Chase Elliott yeah. out. And then Chase Elliott gets, just gets behind him, gets in his mirror, and Kevin Harvick looks in his mirror and goes, oh, this ain't good. Yeah. And spins himself out. <laughs> Like, he does the job for Chase Elliott. It was so great. It was awesome. Uh, probably my fondest Kevin Harvick memory. Probably See, not his fondest memory. I feel like I've trended completely opposite to you because I remember the the year that Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson, I was a I was a Jimmy Johnson fan when he was still driving. Well, I guess he kind of is still, but it's it's not right. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that, we'll get to that in a second. Um, the, the year that he created the tire rub for Kevin Harvick at Chicagoland in the playoffs, and that all kicked off, and they were both up, or Harvick was upset in the trailer park afterward. And then I feel like from that moment on, I just kind of developed this love from Kevin Harvick as he entered the later stages of his career, and I would say it's time he retired. He's probably my second favorite driver in the sport after Tyler Redding. So. Yeah, well, they have Josh Berry in the four car for Stuart Haas. Who, you want to talk about hot seat? I mean, Stuart Haas, they've got to figure something out. I, let me tell you what it is, and we can get into this a bit later when we talk about Haas in F1, but I think Gene Haas is consistently committing ownership malpractice in these teams. He does not feel like he's driven to win at all. As an owner, there's not a lot of pressure on him, and I honestly feel bad for Tony Stewart being stuck in that spot with Gene Haas because I think Gene Haas is just bordering on apathetic at this point. As long as his Haas tool stickers on the side of one of those cars, he doesn't care if they finish first or last. Well, I mean, you saw what Tony Stewart said last week or earlier this week about, hey, man, I mean, I'm not in the driver's seat. I'm not the crew chief. I'm not making these decisions. Like, quit calling me about them. Like, yeah. I, I get what he's saying, but I don't. I mean, it's 
it's Stuart Haas Racing. I mean, it's Tony Stuart Haas Racing. Your name is the first half of that. Oh, it definitely is, but I feel like if you look at that ownership pairing, one of those is more committed to winning than the other one. But maybe one of them is committed to too much. I mean, he's got his drag race going on. He's He's got all this going on. That's true. He could be in too many things at once. I. It's, it's really going to be a make or break year from them because I think it might be a really rude awakening for that team this year when they realize that Kevin Harvick was the only thing still holding them in really the top 15. I... There is a possibility that not a single Stuart Haas car makes the playoffs this year. Well, they have two new exciting drivers this year. They do. Josh Berry's exciting. I mean, he filled in for Chase Elliott last year. Did decent for a fill-in guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really going to be excited to watch his career hopefully take off. Yes, for I mean, sure. I just don't know that Haas or Stuart Haas right now is the most conducive environment to that with where their cars are. I think if you look at JGR, if you look at Hendrick, you look at Trackhouse, you look at Penske. I think these are all teams that sit better than Stuart Haas right now. And I front row motorsports outperformed Stuart Haas last year on average. I this is not a team that I have trust in. It's not that I don't trust Gregson or I don't trust Barry. I don't trust SHR to deliver them the equipment that they need. I think the most exciting driver for SHR as far as different equipment is Noah Gregson. He reminds me a lot of Tony Stewart. And he I does, think, and yes. I think Tony Stewart knows that. I think Tony Stewart goes, All right. This is my guy. That's I'm a like, real take your guy under your wing situation. Yeah, I, I I'm going to teach this guy it. everything I know. I mean, he's going to be our guy. So I think Tony Stewart has worked real close with that number 10 car this offseason to get that number 10 car right. And I think we can see a surge from the number 10 car, kind of like how the number 4 car was an outlier from the rest of this. That's definitely possible. I'll, I'll give you that. I think if any driver in any car in that team is going to break out, it will be Gregson because of that relationship with Stewart and their similarities. But... Uh, it's kind of a I'll believe it when I see it situation from SHR right now. I think they get a car in the playoffs. Maybe, maybe two, but I'll stick with one for now. <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll see how a little bit of the season goes. I'll stick with one for now, but I, I do think Stuart Haas has a car in the playoffs, and I think it's Noah Gregson in the 10. The 10, the 10 car, I love Eric Amarola. Uh, I've been in Talladega, but I've seen him run well there. Um, Imagine Gregson just wins the 500, gets locked in immediately. <laughs> After yeah, this conference, that would be hilarious. I'd be right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think Gregson Stewart Haas is rock right now, and um, uh, I'm excited to see that ten car hopefully back in victory lane. So I was I did like Eric Amarillo. Excited to see him gone, but he's talked about doing some Xfinity races down the line yeah. or what have you. So we'll see what he's got. Um, Haley's in the 51 car or Richard Ware. What does he see in Rick Ware, man? I I do not know what Justin Haley is doing. I. I feel like he had kind of carved himself out a nice little niche where he was at, at Colleg over there. I do not understand this at all. I don't know if Rick Ware just threw a bunch of money at him and was like, come drive these terrible cars, please, because I, I just do not understand for the life of me why you would willingly move to Rick Ware. Yeah, I don't I don't know, but, I mean, he needed to find a ride, and he, he, did, he, got, he got a ride, so hopefully he's trying to elevate them. Um... John Hunter Nemechek to the yeah. to the forty two. I sure I'm whelmed. His crew chief his crew chief is coming with him. And so he switched. He's in a Toyota now. Yeah. So we'll see how that change goes. Because I mean, like yeah. we, I I feel like they legacy realized they made might have made a mistake losing Gregson, and this is just the quickest filler guy they could get in they see with some potential he's but no Gregson that's for sure yeah I so he's I, a driver I guess we'll talk about Jimmy Johnson now since yeah. we're talking about Legacy Motor Club 
Big Twitch. To Toyota. JV Toyota. Seeing Jimmy Johnson in a Toyota after growing up a fan of his in that 48 low Chevrolet is going to be like a, a total shock to the system for me. I, the way Legacy is being run right now, I don't quite understand it. I, I kind of feel bad for Eric Jones. I feel like Eric Jones still has some promise, and I don't think this is a team that's ever going to really be able to march toward the front. We don't know how the Toyota move is going to go for them. Obviously, it helps Toyota out a lot, especially you look at those super speedways. That's mm -hmm. two and sometimes three more cars you're going to have in those friendly drafts with you. But for Jimmy Johnson in particular, I feel like these reduced horsepower cars, Johnson loves to drive a loose car so much, loves to drive off that right rear. And with these less powerful cars, by the time you reach that grip threshold with the way the diffuser works on these, I know it's something they've tried to fix for this year, but it just felt like as soon as you hit that point where normally you can start sliding a car, really driving it off the right rear, it just snaps. And part of that is that- You can't do that with these cars. Yeah, Johnson, I think part of it is he's a little bit, uh, not a little bit, he has definitely passed his prime on that, which, which hurts to watch sometimes. You see it with the spins. I think you really saw the start of that, the Darlington race where he had won stage one in 2020 and then just spun out from the lead. I think from that point on, it was really kind of, it, it showed that he was not the driver he once was. He doesn't really have, I think, that ability to compete at the front in this form of car. So can you point to Legacy Motor Club's struggles last year as they kind of came out really early and said, hey, we're going to Toyota. So Chevy was like, let's just pull Oh, pull yeah, I resources. completely could see that happening. So they were kind of built for failure last year, the whole season. And they've had since then, so they pretty much had two, like a whole year. Like they didn't have the off season. They had when they announced that they were moving Toyota to prepare for this car that they're racing this weekend. So maybe you see better uh, performance, not the best performance, because I still don't think they have it. No. But – I think Eric Jones, obviously, is their guy, so you're going to see the best performance from that 43. I, I think you know Eric Jones is going to give you a lot of good races a year. I still think he's a good driver. I I think if Christopher Bell hadn't been in the pipeline, he would probably still be at Joe Gibbs right now and mm -hmm. performing Same. well. I think one big race that you're really going to see the max potential of these legacy cars is when we get to Darlington. Because that is Eric Jones's happy place. He always runs well there. I think that race, you're going to see the peak of what this team can be with Eric Jones at the wheel of that car. But I, I think it might be a little bit rough for them still. But like you said, maybe they've been doing so much development with Toyota and maybe they didn't have a lot of funding last year. So I don't think they'll be up near the front a lot, but who knows. To call it. Daniel Hemrick to call it. And the number 31. Daniel Hemrick's the most NPC driver in the entire field, man. He, <laughs> I know you have strong opinions on how ordinary Daniel Hemrick is, um, but I mean, these are, these are kind of just filler spots. Anyways. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did see Ricky Stenhouse do 10 500 last year. So, yeah. I mean, anything can happen. Anything except Daniel Hemrick winning a race because that is notoriously difficult for him. That is true. Um, Zane Smith to Spire. In a, in a Spire car from, from Trackhouse. Yeah, he's on loan from Trackhouse, which I think is really interesting. This is something you see in European soccer a lot, which is not something either of us are experts on. But no. so to see this concept in NASCAR, I think is very interesting. And it shows to me that, like you say, if Daniel Suarez is on the hot seat, 
if Trackhouse is still leaving Zane Smith on loan, maybe that's their guy they have tapped to bring him back into the fold if for, if they don't like what Suarez does this year. Maybe that's Suarez's tapped replacement if they don't get what they want out of him this year. Trackhouse has run a few guys this year uh, other than Zane Smith, so maybe that's why they're doing it, to run these yeah. guys, see what they got. You Just kind of see what you have out of everyone. Right. So who knows? You know, maybe they they are using these kind of for an audition. If Daniel Suarez doesn't perform, like maybe they want him to, or, or more along the lines of what Ross Chastain does in that equipment. Yeah. Um, Carson Hosevar, Spire, number seventy-seven. A lot um, of moves for Spire. Yeah, I think Hosevar has some promise. I do. Too. I'm excited like to him. see what he can do. So I I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one. With I feel like Spire's kind of become. Uh, team, they started as really nothing. They've kind of drugged themselves forward a little bit, especially with Corey LaJoy. So, what do you think Hosevar's ceiling is for Spire? Oh, okay, that's tough. Uh, you can't really compare it to Spire in the past because they are a different team now. Yeah. And they have taken leaps and bounds um, the last year to really be somewhat competitive. And Corey LaJoy. He's gotten a lot of that. He's got, I mean, Celsius is one of the sponsors. Yeah. I mean, he pulls in sponsors, you know. So, Cole Joy's done a lot for that team. Carson Hosevar maybe outperforms him? Maybe not. I know, that's what I'm curious. I, I don't think he's going to be right on LaJoy from the jump, but I think by the end of the season, those two will be dead level, if not Hosevar with slight advantage. I don't see Hosevar inspired for long. No. He's going to get maybe RFK when Brad K's gone. Yeah. Something like that. He's going to get a ride, and I'm really excited to see Josevar. I mean, this is all, you know, if... Speculative. Right. Yeah. So, I'm really excited to see Josevar. Um, Kaz Grala, front row for Daytona. Yeah, it's it's a car. And he's going to run part-time yeah. with Rick Ware. That these, these, these are just part-time guys. We're just yeah. covering our part-time guys, so you, the viewer, are looking at TV, and you go, who's that? And you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Kaz Grala. Yeah. Um, Riley Herbst. Running Rick, Rick Ware. More part-time with Rick Ware as Rick Ware continues their revolving door of part-time drivers. Yeah, well, it's kind of Rick Ware racing right now. Yeah. Maybe, so. the Come drive this car for five races and finish 37th. You'll love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we'll switch up to F1. Not a yes. whole lot to talk about that one right now. There's still we still got some time. However, liveries have come The out. Ferrari hat, the big news, though, before we get into the okay, liveries. Okay, 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 okay. The big news. Starting in 2025, Lewis Hamilton will be yes. joining Ferrari. Carlos Sainz is out the door. Charles Leclerc with a recent contract extension from Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And I think that Ferrari 2025 pairing, unless Perez leaves Red Bull and you get a different driver in with Max Verstappen, I think that Ferrari pairing is the best one on the grid. Because I think Piastri has that world championship potential with McLaren. I think Lando Norris is an exceptional driver. But... I think that Hamilton is just statistically the greatest of all time. Now, depending on how you feel about Michael Schumacher or Alan Prost or Aaron Senna or Sebastian Vettel, you might disagree on that. But statistically, he is the best F1 driver of all time. So you look at him and then the raw pace of Leclerc, that is just a super exciting pairing for 25 for Ferrari. If Ferrari can handle it. If they have too much, they're going to fumble. They're going to build a car that breaks down every two laps, and I'm going to be sad once again. But right. we, are, we are both Ferrari fans. Yes. Um, I'm more of a science guy than Leclerc was, I guess, so I, I still am a science guy. You're about to now. be an Audi fan for in now. two years is what you're going to be. <laughs> for now, but uh, I do like Charles Leclerc, so both Ferrari guys in F1, which works out. Um, Carlos Sainz, so you say Audi? 
Yes, I think after this year, he's going to end up at Steak or Kick or Sauber, whatever they want to call themselves, for one more year with all their sponsorship going on. In case you haven't heard, the Steak sponsorship, because sports betting is illegal in Switzerland, where the team is based, they have changed to <coughs> Kick for their main chassis sponsor on the side of the car. And actually, the Steak branding has been removed from their website now as well. They are just right. Sauber with Kick on them. So the car looks cool, though, that bright green. But, yeah, I think Carlos Sainz probably ends up there starting in 2025 because I doubt a team will just bring him in for one year knowing that science has expressed that interest to join Audi when they come in and take over Sauber in 26. So I think you'll see him have kind of a year in purgatory in 25 with that team, but I think he'll be primed to lead them as Audi when Audi joins the sport. I think so. Do um, you think Cadillac ever joins maybe? What? Okay. So... The reason Andretti Cadillac got denied was the FIA said they didn't add anything of value to the sport and that they would benefit from F1 more than F1 would benefit from them. Mm -hmm. If they don't add value, what is Haas doing, man? That, the Haas has not done a single thing in F1 of note since 2018 other than get scammed by sponsors and have Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher crash all over the place. Yeah. This is absolutely terrible. Uh, Kevin Magnussen is doing nothing every week. Nico Hulkenberg will qualify this car really well, but then the, the tires are so bad they fall apart and he's back down to 15th in three laps. So if that car is adding value to Formula One, why would Andretti not be? Andretti has won in every series they've ever entered. Why are we denying this? So the FIA, obviously, you got a lot of um, feedback negatively yes. from... That from especially from the statement they released, ooh, that was that, that was, was bad. Cold. That was cold. So maybe they rethink that. Probably not. Probably not. But you can hope. So yeah. Um, speaking of car liveries, there's only a few out right now. Still more to come later this week. But carbon fiber, carbon fiber, <sighs> carbon fiber is the new black. Black is the new black, I guess. Yes. Uh, F1 teams have decided that instead of giving brand identities to their sponsors and making these colorful cars that we used to have to save about one hundredth of a second every lap, all cars will now be carbon fiber, which is terrible. The I think we saw this especially badly with the Alpine, which was one of the more vibrant cars in recent years, the pink BWT liveries and the bright blue Alpine livery, and now it's just all carbon with some blue and pink stripes on it, which is sad to see. I give credit to V-Carb and Williams for actually painting their cars, but we don't know how much that paint will come off after testing. We saw that last year. A lot of these cars showed up painted and then showed up to the first race in Bahrain. A lot more carbon fiber on them. I do think the best-looking car so far is either the V-Carb or the McLaren. I love the orange on the McLaren, but that old Toro Rosso look coming back for... In case you don't know what V-Carb is, it's Visa Cash App RB, which is what Alpha Tauri have become for this year. It which takes is way too long. Ross it takes became. way too long to say. So yeah, so they're V-Carb, and I think they probably have the best-looking car so far from what we've seen. That old Toro Rosso livery coming back, but I think the McLaren and the Stake are both right there behind them. I love the orange. I love the green. I like. I like Kick. Nah, this that's is, right. They're not Stake yeah. anymore. The, the they changed the name too many times. That's, that's my favorite. I'm in the the comparisons of Chick Hicks is awesome. Yes, so that, listen, that Valtteri Bottas with the mustache, oh, yeah. the wallets rocking yeah. the Chick Hicks look. I mean that one. That one kicks kicks as far right as we go right now. That one's my favorite, and it may, it's a, it's a good chance it's my favorite all year. But um, yeah, that one that one's good. I mean, 
the carb is a lot is a lot of blue. It's a lot of color, so not as much carbon fiber, which is excellent, uh, especially in this year. It'll definitely stand out, which is great for fans of V carb. Um, all four of them. Yeah. Well, actually, with Daniel Ricardo in the team, they probably have a lot more than that now. But yeah, Williams pretty similar to last year. Uh, kind of a, a darker, more blue, blue. I guess yeah. more um, sponsors on it too. James Val's really taking that team in the right direction. As you see, more sponsors be brought into Williams. One funny thing though on the Williams livery, the Komatsu sponsor they have on their side pod. The Haas team principal's name after Steiner was removed is now A.O. Komatsu. So the last name of the Haas team principal is on the side of the Williams car, which is kind of a fun touch. Haas's social media team for the first time in their life had some fun with that one. So that was interesting. But, yeah. So uh, Red Bull's issues right now about um, the, the, uh, was it the president of... Oh, yes, yeah. the, the Christian Horner stuff. Yes. That appears to be ongoing right now. I know there was a meeting earlier this week that lasted almost 18 hours, or was basically the entire day, not 18 hours, goodness, about 10 hours that Christian Horner was in. And these allegations appear to be serious. And they, I, after... What helmet Marco has been able to get away with in Red Bull, the fact that the board's now looking at whatever Horner has done and feels like they need to remove him, it doesn't look good for Christian Horner right now. And I would not be surprised at all to see him removed. The clause in Horner and Adrian Newey's contract about them both either having to be employed or they're both gone has been removed, which sounds like Red Bull's preparing to keep Adrian Newey, not just if, but when Horner is removed. So... I don't know if we'll see that this week before testing starts or in between testing and the first race of the season, but I don't think he's there for much longer. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see him there much longer either. But um, we'll have to wait and look for that to unfold in yeah. the coming probably pretty soon. Pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, if not, by the end of this week. So, yeah, we'll see. After um, a mostly dead off season, it's been quite the month of February for F1 so far. Well, I mean, things start to ramp up. Yeah. So, you know, that's how it goes. Um, I guess we'll close out with Major League Baseball. Um, no, nothing grand as of right now. There's a Corbin Burns trade. There was a trade, um, <laughs> which he's out of the Central, which is great for both of us. I'm obviously Chicago Cubs fan. Yes, I'm a Reds fan. Reds fan. Um, so yeah, he's he's out of the Central for us, which is which is good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I hate playing got, in Milwaukee against Corbin Burns. Yeah, I feel like we're going to get no hit every got, time. They got rid of Hayter a few years back, so now yes. they're going to be Corbin Burns. They also got rid of Craig Council. Yay! Uh, <laughs> uh, we got Craig Council, so that's huge. Enjoy um, that. Oh, I, much, much more enjoyable than last year. I mean, watching, yeah, I watching watch Ross. David Bell. Oh. Watching, watching David Ross write a book on how to eject Ejecto seat your team from the playoffs as fast as possible. <laughs> that was so funny. Was hard to watch. Listen, but as, he's gone. So as soon as I figured out the the Reds weren't going to be able to make it, I was just enjoying watching the Cubs collapse. Oh, it man. was. I was in the series. Cinematic. I was in. I went to the series in Atlanta when Suzuki drops the ball, and when he dropped the ball, <laughs> that was a, that was the playoffs, and the playoffs were no longer in sight. It was it was gloriously horrific. Um, pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. Yes. A lot of new pitchers that have never pitched in MLB that got big contracts in the offseason. Yes. How do you think they're going to fare? I am so excited to watch Yamamoto pitch for the Dodgers this season. I 
cannot stand the Dodgers, but I am so looking forward to see how he does. He was electric in the World Baseball Classic for Japan. It's really just can that translate over a whole season versus MLB talent. We've seen varying levels of success. Kodai Senga was great last year, but mm -hmm. Shintaro Fujinami was horrific for the A's and got bounced to the Orioles, now signed by the Mets. So that transition, I think Yamamoto is much more polished and might even be better than Senga as a pure pitching talent. I know Senga has that ghost fork that kind of makes him an outlier, but I think Yamamoto is just so smooth. I don't know if you saw the video of him doing a bullpen, uh, but yeah. I was I absolutely saw. mesmerized by that video. Oh, and just yeah. the smoothness of how he just pitches. Pitch your pitch, man. Oh. Yeah, I'm super excited for him. I think he'll do really well, but I know you have a guy you're pretty you excited about. You showed him about. in Aga as well, too. Yeah. He's coming. He's coming from, and uh, let's not forget the guy from the Giants. Um, oh, God. Oh, shoot. The, the, the grand, grandfather of the wind. Yes. Um, I, uh, Young Ho Lee. Yes, yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, so you have those two guys. Uh, Shoto Imanaga, Justin Steele gave him some pretty high praise the other day, saying this kid, I mean, he's legit. I mean, his yeah. stuff is legit. So, I am scared of him as a Reds fan. I, I think, don't want to play. I think Justin Steele is obviously the ace. Yes. But he's, I mean, he's a number two. I mean, probably our number two slot guy. Mm -hmm. So if he's number two, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. And he, he has a shot to kind of blow some people's minds. Cause, For mean, sure. He's coming into the major leagues after – Pitching professional baseball for years, I mean, he's used to it. I mean, obviously, MLB in America is way different than Japan, but he's used to being on that stage at a professional level, and no one has seen him. So, I mean, I think the first few months, guys like Yamato and and Shota Imanaga, they're gonna they're gonna shine because I mean, they have these. I mean, everything everything's so slightly different in the KBO, uh, Japan. Um, the Dominican, America. I mean, everything's just slight. The big different. crowds are still there, though, especially in Japan. They, the crowd. I, I don't think that much of an environment will be that difficult to deal with for those guys. But it's just the level of competition. That oh, well, Shota's playing in Wrigley, one of the best environments in baseball. Yes. So you know they're going to have his back. I mean, the Dodgers sometimes they show up. And they probably. I mean, with with that with Otani and Yoshinobu. I mean, they're going to be there opening weekend. So that's yes. going to be. They're playing the Cardinals. That's ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. I mean, they're going to show up. So that, that's going to be an electric environment, too. Um, but I'm excited. I'm very excited to see see all that. Um, I do want to clear up. I know we said some great pitchers coming over. Young Holy for the Giants is an outfielder. We don't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, he, is, yeah. he yeah. is an outfielder. That's right. Uh, very good contact hitter, I think. Might be a top-of-the-order guy for the Giants this year. Like, very top-of-the-order. Maybe your so. leadoff. Not exceptional power, but he's going to hit the ball. Maybe yeah. think not quite as good of a contact guy, but think Luis Arise. That's similar mold for him. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's definitely an on base guy. He's going to get on base a lot, and he's gonna he's gonna make some things happen. He's obviously, obviously Giants need some outfit help. Yeah. Um. So and he slots in well with the the type of team they're trying to build. I mean, he's he fits in well. Kind of, they're not really they don't they're not like the Dodgers or the Yankees where they just have these. Power guy, power guy, power guy. And don't forget, guy. it's even year Giants this year, so. Yeah, it's true. But the the Yankees made a lot of moves. They got Juan Soto, Juan obviously. Soto it's big mood, big move. Um, but they struggled last year. Does Juan Soto? Yeah. Does, does Juan Soto give them? It's all about health for the Yankees this year. I think we saw that last year with some of the honestly medical malpractice with letting Anthony Rizzo play with a concussion for a month. It's. I, yeah, but I think that that was more of him not really. I don't think he really went to anybody and said, "Hey, this, 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 and this bothering yeah, me." Yeah, but they checked him out and said he was fine. Your team yeah, doctor have to do a better yeah. job than that. 
I will say for the Yankees, the three four in the order of Aaron Judge Juan Soto, it's probably gonna be Soto in the three, Judge in the four. That power threat back to back, and I think having Soto, who is such a high level on base guy anyway, even disregarding his power, he's gonna walk. He's gonna draw walks, he's gonna get on base, and that's something that Aaron Judge didn't have a ton of last year from the rest of the Yankees lineup is guys on base in front of him. So I think even though it's just one guy, Juan Soto is the kind of guy who can make that big difference for the Yankees. What Marcus Stroman do they get? We, we saw... That's a good point, yeah. In the last two years, we've really seen two different Marcus Stromans. I mean, first half of last year, one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. Then he, got, he did get hurt, but he came back, kind of rusted a little bit, trying to make back for the playoff run. Uh, didn't do too hot. But even the years before that, I mean, he struggled a little bit. I mean, he was a three number three guy. Yeah. So in the When he's at his best, I think he is one of, if not the, I think he's a Logan Webb up there too, but one of, if not the best pitch-to-contact guys in baseball and do some weak contacts for guys. Ground ball rates. Nice. Yeah. So I, I think you look at that where if he can get that ground ball going, the weak contact, he's going to be dominant. But it's just, like you said, which Marcus Stroman do you get? Yeah, and I think I don't think in the first months of the season you get the Marcus Stroman we saw last year. I think he will work up to that and probably will be there by the time the playoffs roll around and we can expect the Yankees in the playoffs. Maybe I know Yankees fans probably don't. They, I mean, they do, but they don't. You know, because they're Yankees fans, they're used yeah. to it or whatever. But um, if the Yankees don't win 140 games, the Yankees fans are always annoyed. So. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, we'll dive more into baseball. Obviously, when spring training gets underway and opening day is right around the corner, uh, I just kind of want to talk about some of those things, get them off off the table for now, um, because pitchers and catchers do report tomorrow, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Nothing you love more exactly than the pitcher and catcher relationship. It's perfect. Uh, Nothing like a good battery. Yeah. So. Bullpen, bullpen days, bullpen days are ahead yeah. of us. Um, oh, you got anything else today? Ah, uh, I think that about covers it for this yeah. week. Yeah, we can put football, we can put football away. Yes, it until is, the draft in a couple months. Yeah, we'll have some draft coverage coming up. Um, but other than that, it's motorsport and baseball season. March Madness is right around the yes. corner. Yes. Um, shining. Also, we're students at Auburn, so constant sadness. Right. <laughs> well. Uh, you see the Alabama stuff. I born and raised Alabama fan. Go to Auburn now. So obviously, yeah. more of an Auburn fan. Want Auburn to win everything they can. Um, and I was born and raised a Florida Gator fan. So this past weekend was very confusing yeah. for basketball. Well, Auburn basketball is the most confusing basketball team in the country. And Neville, we're elite. We're, we're the Lakers, undefeated. Right. And, and then we go on the road, and we are the Pistons. We're we're me and Micah <laughs> playing basketball at the rec. So yes. And no, no one we're not. They're not. They're not that bad. They're not that bad. Trust me. Um, Did we make a three-point shot? I think we're over on about eighty-seven attempts. I, I couldn't tell you that. I don't know. <laughs> three-point shot. What is that? How far is that? This far? No. Um, I play knockout. Knockout's my game. Yes. That's the only thing I do. Knockout champion right here. Yeah. Facts. Uh, I can palm basketball and knockout. That's that's, that's as far as my I can't palm a basketball. My hands are too small. No, I can I can do that. But yeah, so we'll, we'll get into March Madness. Um, that's always fun. We'll have our brackets and. We'll watch them fail completely within the first two games. Yes. Um, Hooray. Yeah, just like last year, the year before that, the year before that. It's going to be like Virginia. We just are basically Virginia right now. Yeah. And college baseball ramps up this weekend. This yes. week, we got we get college baseball. Yes. I'm excited for that. Auburn should be good this year. Our pitching, we, we scored a lot of runs last year. Yes. Pitching was eh. Bullpen was ooh. Bullpen after that was ooh. There was no bullpen <laughs> after that. So... 
we got we got some transfers. We got some freshmen. Good freshman class. Yes, um, as a Florida a lot fan. Of arms. Joseph Gonzalez is back. He is. So Auburn, will, will they'll, they'll score the runs. They still have Ike Irish, Cooper McMurray. Yes. I mean, they'll score the runs. Bobby Pierce, they'll score. It's all about pitching, and the pitching should be better. They host the regional with the pitching they had last year. And collapsed. Collapsed. So hopefully they can push to an Omaha, Omaha um, uh Yes. Status this year. Speaking of Omaha, I tell you what I'm excited for is one last year of Jack Caglione. He's gonna win the Golden Spikes this year. I can feel it. I can feel it. He's gonna everyone, be so good. Feel He's gonna yes. be fun to watch. He's gonna be super fun to watch. College baseball. Hopefully, gets more fans this year with the likeness of Jack Caglione. I think. Will Speaking help. of more fans, ESPN, bring back the college baseball broadcast, please. Yeah, it's hard to find. Uh, you need ESPN Plus now, but. Should be exciting year, especially the SEC's gonna be tough this year. Yes, I mean it's always tough, but it's gonna be it's gonna be elite this year. So I mean that's gonna be fun to watch. Obviously LSU, Florida was the uh, World Series last year, so SEC's always pretty tough, but it's gonna be really fun to watch. I'm excited. We get to cover a lot of Auburn baseball with Auburn. Yes. Um. So we'll be there all the time. We'll um, be there no matter what. We'll be there. Come see us. Come check us out. Um. But yeah, I think baseball. I don't. I don't have anything else today. Nope. That'll be it. Yep. All right. Well, first ever episode of GTD. We'll work on a name for the show. Let us know. Or not for the show, for the studio. Yeah, we're working on a scrap. Yeah. new show yeah. coming next week. Um, let us know if you have any thoughts. Um, thank you so much for watching. And we'll catch you next Tuesday, Tuesday mornings. That's when we're uploading. Um, if anything changes, we'll let you know. But well, We won't. We're just going to surprise you guys. Hey, Keep on the lookout. It's all, who, who doesn't love surprises? But um, yeah. All right. Thank you all.